Hello and welcome to the Knowledge at HEC Hard News podcast. Daniel Brown here. I'm chief editor in the school's communications department. Today, Bruno Bier analyzes with us the decision by the Central American state of El Salvador to make the Bitcoin its legal tender. Now, this is a really big deal because for such a long time, Bitcoin proponents around the world have been urging countries to adopt Bitcoin, to embrace the digital currency. And now we have our first real world example of that. It was President Today, we see a landmark in history. For the first time, a sovereign nation, as recognized by the United Nations, will adopt a cryptocurrency as legal tender. I'm talking, of course, about El Salvador. Remember the date, the 7th of September, 2021. This is where El Salvador's Bitcoin experiment began. El Zonte, a small surf town where three years ago an anonymous donor gave local people digital wallets with a bit of the cryptocurrency. This month's arrival in a national economy of the cryptocurrency Bitcoin hit the news like a tidal wave. Three months after El Salvador legislators voted it in, the country's six million inhabitants woke up to shops displaying sales in bitcoins, Salvadorans enjoying a bitcoin bonus in the Chivo digital wallet. Chivo means cool in street slang, by the way. So why are the world's leading economists, central bankers and cryptocurrency enthusiasts following this development so closely? What are the positives and negatives we could see unfolding in the future? These are some of the questions we'll be exploring this week in the company of HEC's top cryptocurrency researcher, Professor of Finance, Bruno Pierre. Bitcoin hits 15000 Bitcoin is at twenty thousand dollars each now this is insane the bitcoin the hottest currency in the world well bruno bier has joined me uh, to discuss el salvador deciding to make the bitcoin legal tender it's only been a week bruno since uh, this uh, decision has been made you call it a bold move the financial times has already said the first week was quite bumpy uh, your analysis so far well, it's, it is a bold move. Viewed from the outside, we can think of this as an experiment. At last, one country is, is starting to try to use Bitcoin as a means of payment. Maybe it's going to work, in which case that would be a really enormously important step. Or maybe it's not going to work. We don't know yet. Cryptocurrencies, if they are to survive, must prove that they can be used as a means of payment. You know, Bitcoin is to some extent used as a means of payment, but not a lot. And El Salvador is, is really changing the picture. Clarify the difference and distinction between cryptocurrency and Bitcoin for the listeners. So Bitcoin is just one of many cryptocurrencies, but it's the first one that was invented, that was created. It's basically the mother of all cryptocurrencies. The Bitcoin is 13 years old and, and the economist at uh, one stage did a front cover called One World, One Money. How important would you say this experiment in Central America is in this long voyage? Well, you know, initially Bitcoin was created to enable payments without institutions, without banks, without states, without central banks. And that's, of course, particularly important and useful if you live in a country in which institutions are not working very well. So El Salvador is one of those. 
Uh, but there are lots of, you know, countries maybe in Latin America or in Africa or in other parts of the world in which, yes, uh, banks and central banks and governments are not very trustworthy and, and efficient. So for those countries, uh, if things work well in El Salvador, it, they might then follow up with something a bit similar to what took place in El Salvador. Currency transactions in Africa are growing rapidly on a continent that already embraces mobile money like M-Pesa. Virtual currency offers advantages for a young tech-savvy population like the African population. And you need not worry about having now, money to... Bruno, as you write, uh, why shouldn't it work? The Bitcoin is undoubtedly a phenomenal success. So you said yourself that the market capital is almost 4% of the American GDP. First of all, what do you attribute uh, this success to? So the success of Bitcoin, I think, is, is the combination of two things. Uh, First, uh, the protocol underlying Bitcoin, you know, the blockchain, is actually a very, very intelligently designed protocol. And it's, it's working, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been there since 2008. It never failed. The second reason why it's a success is Bitcoin is filling a gap. So, you know, central banks have been creating an enormous amount of money. Now, now people have this, all this money. What are gonna, they going to do with it? Well, some of what they're going to do with it is, is buy Bitcoin. But... If it was to end up there, you know, in a sense, that would not be very satisfactory. So really for Bitcoin to become useful, to become sensible, we need to be able to use it as a means of payment. And that, that, that's really where the El Salvador experiment is so interesting and important because it's a test of the capacity of Bitcoin to become a means of payment. Nevertheless, there are these major risks that you also bring up, volatility, cost, and government constraints. Could you elaborate? Yeah, volatility. You know, Bitcoin is moving like crazy. It's, it's really moving a lot more than the, than the stock market, than commodity prices. Uh, it's very, very volatile. So if you get paid in Bitcoin and you keep your money in your wallet, uh, the next day, maybe the value of what you got paid has been reduced by 30%. So, you know, especially if you're living in a poor country and you're not, you're not very wealthy, that kind of drop in, 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 in your assets can be very costly. And another challenge, which is a major one, is the carbon footprints, the environmental cost. DigiEconomist, uh, its index has said that Bitcoin and Ethereum combined have as much power or use as much power as Ukraine and Denmark combined. It's absolutely true. It, it, this, this thing is ridiculous. It, it cannot continue. So, so, but, but I think one, one has to draw a distinction between um, cryptocurrencies on the one hand and, and blockchain protocols on the other hand. The, the blockchain protocols are, if you want, the infrastructure on which the cryptocurrencies are living. And, and the protocol we're using now that most cryptocurrencies are using now is called proof of work. And this is the thing that consumes an enormous amount of electricity. Now, there exist other protocols, some of which are already used. And I think the major one is uh, proof of stake, which is another way to select randomly the person who is going to choose the next block in the blockchain. And that protocol, proof of stake, consumes a lot less energy. 
So basically, I think what's going to happen in the future is either we move away from proof of work and go to something that is less costly in terms of energy, like proof of stake, or cryptocurrencies disappear. And what would be stopping that? What are the disadvantages of proof of stake that are making people reticent? Uh, so that, I think there are two, two problems. One is technical problems. You, know, you have to carefully design the protocol so that it's, to use a technical word, incentive compatible, which means that everybody is going to do the job well and it cannot be hacked. It is not susceptible to attacks by hackers, things like that. So that's already difficult. But the other difficulty is you need to coordinate. Ethereum has been trying to do that, and it's very hard. Ethereum is currently using proof of work, but they say, they permanently say, oh, but we want to move to proof of stake. And one of the reasons it takes time and it's difficult for them to do so is they have to convince all the people all over the world who are using Ethereum, okay, guys, we, you, we've been playing one, one game with one rule, and now we're going to change to another game, and we all have together to move to the next rule book. And you have to remember, this is a distributed network. There is no central authority. It's completely decentralized. Everybody makes decisions individually. So, so you know, that's the beauty of blockchains. They are decentralized, they are distributed. But that's also a problem when it comes to coordinating to change things. Bruno Bier, could it tempt more stable uh political and economic uh, countries such as uh, the United States, where uh, there is a large percentage of the population which is hostile to uh, government intervention. Yeah, well, you're right. The philosophy underlying Bitcoin was maybe a libertarian philosophy. You know, people distrust the government, they distrust institution, and they want to have something that is more uh, bottom-up, that is really uh, the people deciding. That being said, frankly, I do not see Bitcoin, you know, becoming the major currency and dollar or euro disappearing. Because frankly, I, I, I believe that, for example, the European Central Bank and maybe even the, the banking system, you know, they're, they're working quite well, you know, they're doing a good job, you know, so we don't really need to get rid of them. For the moment, I, I think that where we really need cryptocurrencies and where cryptocurrencies can really be useful is in places where we cannot trust the government, we cannot trust the central bank, we cannot trust the banking system. And that might explain why major international bodies are reticent over the Bitcoin in general. Yeah, that might be the explanation. Another explanation might be that these, these people want to keep the power they have and Bitcoin, in a sense, is a challenge to them then, you know, no one likes competition. So that, that also might be an explanation. Bruno Bier, thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. It really was a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Bruno Bier, HEC professor in finance. Bruno co-signed a paper called The Blockchain Folk Theorem recently, and he's currently working on another called Equilibrium Blockchain Pricing, whilst he's also researching committees in blockchain decision-making. We'll be inviting him back to discuss these on another occasion. Well, that's it for this Knowledge at HEC Hard News podcast. Tune in again in a fortnight when we'll discuss more current affairs with top professors from HEC Paris. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.